Anyway, so good. How is everybody? Doing fine. Yeah, good. Really, um, Bob? If you want to talk about it, it's okay. <laughs> I was fine until I had to talk to you. <laughs> Jesus. That is a sick burn. <laughs> Fuck. Bullshit. <laughs> Hello and welcome everybody to the Go Play That podcast. We're back. Uh, my name's Rob Cook and I'm joined today by Bob Marate. Hello, good evening everyone. And Tom Wolford. A very warm welcome to you all. And today we are approaching Christmas and New Year's. Um, I wanted to see what you've been playing or if not, what you're planning to play over the break that's approaching all right. You guys get breaks. <laughs> <laughs> regular people do. Yeah. I am not a regular person. That is true. <laughs> Apparently so. So yeah. Who would you like to start, Rob? Uh, Bob seems to be the the starter of the of the team. Me. All right. <laughs> okay. So, um, what I've been playing mostly this week is actually Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> but I already <laughs> talked about it on last podcast, so there's another thing that I uh, briefly touched and so far enjoyed a lot, which is King's Quest on the PS4. Okay. Yeah, that came out, um, that was available with PlayStation Plus. Is that how you yep. got it? Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, I was already like taking an eye on it because when I was a kid, I used to play King's Quest, like the original DOS games for the PC, mm-hmm. which original Sierra point and click. But I never was really, really good at them. I always preferred LucasArts point and click adventure games because of the simple reason that on LucasArts Adventures, you could not die. And on Sierra Adventures, on the other hand, this is a die, a death vest. So, yeah. <laughs> And um, back in the day, I was not smart enough about, like, you know, saving after everything I did. So <laughs> I used to lose, like, a big chunk of progress and so on and so on. But, yeah, I have fond memories of King's Quest, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And uh, having this one presented to me on the PlayStation Plus, I thought, like, okay, maybe they actually do, uh, you know, a good reboot of the series. Maybe this is actually worth my time. And, uh, and what do you know? So far it is. Yes, I'm actually liking it a lot. I like that um, they rebooted the franchise, but um, staying loyal enough to the actual original story, where you still are Graham, where you still are a knight in a quest to become the king of Daventry, and how it's supposed to go on. I'm not very far along into the episode one, because it's an episodic series, so it's it's going to be five of them and I think the second one just came out or is going to come out tomorrow but two out of five are out and um, each episode highlights a period of Graham's life so we start here on episode one when he's really really young starting to get to be a knight and the quest on how he actually became king and uh, further episodes will evolve him as a, an, on a more mature state on his life until the final episode he's played by, you know, the old wise king that he is right now. Because everything that you're playing right now is kind of a flashback, a, a story that he's telling to his granddaughter. Okay. Uh, how I Met Your Kingdom. How game. I Met Your Kingdom, yeah. <laughs> we could actually... <laughs> you just cracked my with that, so yeah. 
How I Met Your Kingdom is an accurate definition. You broke my wife. <laughs> just call me the wife breaker. <laughs> so, yeah, let's just call it How I Met Your Kingdom, yes. Um, what I do like a lot about this one is that it has stopped being so serious because the old games were very serious, you know, like very epic adventures and very, you know, proper quest. This one is a little bit more of a cartoon, you know? It's yeah. it's a lot more informal. It's a lot funnier and has a lot of jokes, has a lot of endearing characters here and there. You can... You, I always like talking to NPCs here and there and pretty much every single one of them that I have found so far made me chuckle at the very least, which is... It's nice. It, it makes the journey a lot more enjoyable. So... Looking forward to see more, and uh, even though I'm not really, I'm pretty sure that I'm not even like halfway through the first episode. I'm pretty sure that I will end up buying the season pass. Okay. Um. So the second one's coming out soon. Do they, have they given anything away about how long before the full thing is completed? Because I know a lot of people enjoy episodic games, but not in the format that's intended. A lot of people prefer to wait for everything to come out and then play through it all as a full game. Yeah, I understand that. But um, unfortunately, in this regard, I don't think there is a, an estimate on how long the episodes are going to take. I think the first episode, in fact, if I recall correctly, it came a little bit after E3. So it's probably around July. And the second one is out now. So four months for an episode. Still faster than Kentucky Route Zero. <laughs> yes, indeed. Probably yes. so, and in the lines of Telltale, I would say, more or less. Yeah. So, feels right. We you will know, have was... to see about Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> I was seven years old when the first Kentucky Route Zero episode came out. <laughs> seven. Now look at me. You run it on your four point <laughs> six computer. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, when I was seven, there was no four eight six computer. That was more like when I was eleven or twelve. So. Well, I'm you, old, man. you could have played King's Quest. <laughs> so I wanted to say that I never did play it. You didn't play the old ones. All right. Yeah. And, and for some reason, until this very podcast right here, when you said that it was point and click adventure, I've been thinking of the wrong game. Oh, really? You've been thinking of Dragon's Quest, I'm pretty sure. Was it Dragon's Quest or Dragon's Lair? It was like a sort of... Oh, yeah, Christ. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, Dragon's Quest, Dragon's Lair, entirely different games, very similar titles. I really do not blame you. Right, well, Dragon's Lair, was that the sort of quick-time event one? Yep. Where you just sort of run along? That's what I thought this was. No, it's not the case. And that's what I thought Dragon's Quest was. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Dragon's Quest is a Final Fantasy-esque turn-based RPG, so different enough. In any it's case, good we've we've given we've given our regular listeners a view into the sort of befuddled fog that we live in <laughs> on a day-to-day basis. Right. So let me talk a little bit about King's Quest. Uh, when I first played the the very first King's Quest game, that was the very first one I played, the first one in the series. I was maybe like nine. I did not speak English by then, so it was a lot of trial and error. And it's not really the version that I played is not even a VGA point and click, you know. It's a it's an adventure game where you had to control your character with a keyboard and you had to type in the commands like look at look around or uh, take hatchet or speak to villager whatever. You had to type everything and then the text would appear and so and so. But 
unfortunately for me, I never really made it out of the castle. So <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, that the game starts with you uh, leaving the castle. And if you take one step forward, literally one step forward, you just die. Because you, you fall down to the pit of water and you cannot swim and you die. So it's like, the heck? So it's that kind of game. Okay. It's that kind of game, yes. That is, it's very satisfying to progress and very satisfying to like figure out the puzzles. But there is always a chance, a very high chance, in fact, that you will die. And um, yeah, you will lose all the progress that you haven't saved. And well, as I mentioned before, I was not very smart. So I did not save a lot. But in retrospective... If you were to play King's Quest now, knowing what to do and everything, you we would probably finish it in like a couple of hours. It was a short game. Most of the replayability value that it had was precisely because of these deaths and alternatives and paths. You know, it has a mini uh, branching story, mini, like slight variations if you do this first, if you talk to this about this or whatever. So... Um, Innovative, but and it's time, of course. It was no Monkey Island, but it was fun. And when I actually managed to get head on into the King's Quest series, when it was when the fifth one came out, and uh, I played that one translated to Spanish, and that was a proper point and click switch. It was no longer typing commands and shit. It's just that you look around, you click things, and put them on your inventory interact with people regular point and click adventure but with the death option mm-hmm. fun fact king's quest 6 is easily the sierra game that has more chances of you dying i think it has <laughs> i think it has over 150 different ways to die so you're saying it was the dark souls of the point and click genre kind of but you, the thing is, you would probably wouldn't know until it's way too late, you know? So, <laughs> that's the thing. Uh, the good news is, if you want to play them now, you still can. Because they were released in Steam, I can't remember exactly when. Rather cheap. The, it, there's a package that contains King's Quest 1 to 7. And uh, affordable. So, if you're curious, at least, you should give it a try. At least if you want to see exactly how they were, uh, the point-and-click adventure games were back in the day, you had both the old version and the VGA remake of King's Quest 1 in this pack, if I recall correctly. I'm going to buy it and then refund it before the two-hour limit, saying, what is this? This isn't Dragon's Lair. <laughs> Evil. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Sierra Games, King's Quest... Space Quest, Quest for Glory, Police Quest. Lots of quests, actually, uh, <laughs> in the Sierra title. Quest Quest. Quest Quest. But uh, this this reboot of the franchise, I am enjoying it because it also has a bunch of ways to die, but there is no longer the chance that, you know, you died, you didn't save, you're done for, you have to start over. You kind of die in some sort of comedic way. And since you're telling a flashback, a story of the past, it's like, oh, and I died, but I didn't because I'm standing right here, you know? So let's try that again. And you just reload the checkpoint and that's it. It's just like, a, oh, you screwed up. Okay, that's fine. Just try it again. So sort of evolving from the Prince of Persia, Sands of Times, like, wait, that didn't happen. Kind of like that, yes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it didn't. It actually makes me kind of try and fail on purpose, see what happens, what changes, and what it says. And um, 
from what I've seen so far, I think it's trying to get also with the kind of adventure that Telltale Games is uh, going for with some branching decisions and uh, important choices. But I cannot really say about the effect that these choices that I made will make in the future. We'll see. Hmm. So far, I made a couple of choices and it's like, oh, uh, I had three choices to do and this would actually impact heavily in the story for the wrong when, when, whenever the time comes. And it's like, okay, so I made one. Still haven't seen the consequences, but I guess that I will eventually see. But by then you may have forgotten what the original choice was. No, you won't, because you will probably remember. Or they will. I mean, I'm guessing that they will remind you. I mean, I remember exactly what I chose and how, because it was a very, um, very important moment, you know? Okay. So you will say, yeah, okay, this is very important. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that you will. it will come back and bite you. All right, so Rob, you're not a big sort of point-and-click adventure fan, are you? No, and... I put Kentucky Route Zero at the top of my Game of the Year list last year, although Earl is keen to remind me that that is not a point-and-click game. So <laughs> that's fine. Um, but no, I, I, I didn't um, play any point-and-clicks growing up and hadn't really got into any recently. So, Bob, how would you sell it to Rob? It's, a, it's no longer a point-and-click game. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just that. I mean, you have your character, you move it around. It's an adventure game, but it's no longer a point-and-click adventure game. You have your inventory, you have your items, you speak with with the characters here and there. If you liked any of the Telltale adventures, you would love King's Quest because it's so beautiful as well. Yeah, I mean, from what I've seen, it looks like it will appeal to people that, yeah, do enjoy those Telltale games. Obviously, you get a bit of a kick out of... You get more of a kick out of it based on your history with the franchise but that's not it's not a requirement at all no yeah exactly it, that's cool. it, it feels almost like a disney movie you know i'm playing a disney movie this is the feeling that i'm getting everything is really nice and cartoony and beautiful and has its humor it feels like a disney movie and you're singing let it go non-stop <laughs> <laughs> no no i'm too old for that shit <laughs> <laughs> too jaded and cynical that's your problem yeah maybe so maybe so <laughs> Alright. Well, I do I do have it on the PlayStation, so I may well give it a look. It is Well, yeah. if you have a PlayStation Plus subscription, pretty much everyone has it. So Yeah, but I still I haven't played it. the game from the games from like August. I understand, man. I mean, first world problems, I get it. Yeah, it's like, "Oh, here's two more games." And instead of yeah. being "Oh joy," it's like, "Oh crap." <laughs> <laughs> if you that can just... just give it a look, see what see what you think. Just get back to me with your opinion. Fair enough. All right. Um, speaking of not having enough time, um, I've been looking at my, you know, all the games I've accrued over the last twelve months, and I guess we all are because we're now in uh, Game of the Year week. Yep. Right. Um, and uh, I was looking at the games that I wish I'd spent more time on, um, and one of them, one of them, sort of leaped out uh, because it's also just entered full release. It's been in. Uh, been in early access for for a few years now that's nuclear throne oh yeah yeah um very tempted so, by that this week so i've had that i've had that for a while probably about a year um and i really enjoy it it's a it's a roguelike so you kind of start from the start every time every time you die uh the only permanent unlocks are the different characters um 
and and they are unlocked by entering secret rooms meeting a certain amount of progression on your run and the end goal is to reach the nuclear throne uh which is harder than it sounds i guess just a big chair <laughs> um but yeah it's tough i have got nowhere near now i haven't played the final release and i think it's one of the games i'm going to be getting into over the next few weeks but i guess bob have you, i think i've seen you play yeah, it. yeah i've been playing it on the go play that stream so i've seen bob die in the most hilarious ways in that game and slightly cry <laughs> that was that was the one of the famous streams where bob almost wept real tears <laughs> <laughs> yeah i did so yeah but my question bob is um i know it's now on ps4 i've seen it on the store and is mm. this really a final release is it actually leaving early access now yeah no it, they've called it they've called it final they released it on the same day that there was the playstation experience okay. so was that last saturday cool something like that yeah i should um, revisit it now yeah and i was i was watching some some footage of the full game and i guess i haven't seen it in a while because when it was early access all of the you could you could access most of the characters from the start um but it seems that they gate you to just one or two um to you know give you a bit of persistence and that's that's probably a, a good call um the main things i like about the game is the the main act of of shooting is really good because uh, it is a it's kind of a twin stick shooter the right stick doesn't immediately shoot it's it's on the trigger or on the on the on the mouse click uh-huh. um but yeah, it feels really good. It's gets really chaotic, and the your ability to sort of kite and kind of escape getting killed reminds me a kind of kind of like a Hotline Miami. Uh-huh. Uh huh. A bit less immediate, but there's plenty of different enemies uh, charging at you or shooting you from afar or sniping you or flying towards you. Um, and you can carry two weapons at once, and there's melee weapons and there's special weapons, and each character has their own traits um, that are really quirky. Um, and then when you, if you get enough credits to level up, then during level transitions, uh, you'll be able to choose between I think it was like three or four different power-ups uh, that would either like give you all your health back, uh, make enemies take less damage before dying and, and, and different buffs and things like that. I, f- I, f- I find this particular game to be my favorite roguelike, which, you know, games where you restart. Um, I know you got into Binding of Isaac, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I kind of like this one because um, obviously that's more of an adventure game in that genre, and this one's more of a shooter in this genre. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Go ahead, Tom. I was just going to say, I think the big the big difference to a lot of sort of roguelike games, or the, certainly the ones I've played, is is Nuclear Throne is much more of a arcade feel. It, yeah, it has that totally. same sort of arcadey sensibility that that also Vlambeer put into uh, Luft Rousers and things like that. Yeah, it was just pure playability. Uh, the big thing I found in the the few plays of Nuclear Throne that I had uh, at your house, Rob was each mm. game seemed to be like a protracted, oh, shit, <laughs> <laughs> from sort of the start to when you inevitably die, you know, uh, which I've played some other sort of roguelike games, and it tends to be a lot more protracted. So I think it, yes. hurt, it hurts more when you lose progress in those games, whereas with Nuclear Throne, it's just really easy to boot it back up and get back in there. 
like you say, yeah, very much it, like Hotline Miami. Right. Yeah, and it feels yeah, it's more hectic. It's more immediate. So yeah, you could you could still have been going for a good twenty thirty minutes, but that is a long ass time in that game. Yeah, because you don't blink. Like half hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your <laughs> eyes, you, like that's why you were there. You were moistening my eyeballs from with a drip. <laughs> yeah. I think I think it's got the second longest blink time after burnout. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I, I did enjoy the ones. I mean, I I never bought it. I was actually waiting for the final release, uh, mm. mainly because I just had too many things to play. But now it's out. I guess I'm really going to have to to properly get into it because I really yeah, enjoyed what I saw. Yeah, on a on PlayStation you get Vita and PS4 with the same purchase. I think so. I assume that also means cross-save and you could just go between the two. If I had a Vita. Uh, if you had a Vita, yes. Well, um, I th- I'm wondering how the controls are on the Vita, because I'm not sh- I don't think the sticks are quite as good as a as a full, proper controller. But I'm wondering how many times I dropped the Vita in the tube. <laughs> like, trying, <laughs> trying desperately to evade, you know, death. <laughs> like, ah, flailing about. Because that was the big experience for me in that game. It was general flailing. <laughs> Makes sense. Good thing. I mean, what I like mostly about um, Nuclear Throne compared to Binding of Isaac and other rock legs, Nuclear Throne is definitely the one that has the most action-packed roguelike of all that I've played. It's definitely some intense frenetic experience that you just never get tired of, and I love that. Yeah. Um, there's one game that does have that same feeling of action and immediacy, and that's Downwell. Ah, I haven't played it haven't yet. Haven't played it yet. <laughs> okay, but you're basically going down a well, and the further down you get, the the better you do. And you have guns on your boots like bayonetta, so the jump button is also the shoot button. Okay. Seems pretty cool, yeah. and it's on mobile. Yeah, I'm yeah. Seeing, I'm seeing a lot of gifts of people uh, like on Twitter showing off their best runs, and it, it looks another like another one for me where I'm just not going to perform as well as people that I actually watch. <laughs> that happens with every game, man. No, no, maybe for you because you're incompetent. But um... <laughs> no kidding, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, it's it's one of these games. I don't have the time really to invest myself so hard into it that I get really good at it. This is part hmm. of the problem, and it's a problem with a lot of these sort of insta death roguelike type games that I play for a bit, but I don't have... Like, there's some guy that was doing YouTube streams, I think, called Sleep Cycles. Mm-hmm. And he sort of became the official Vlambia YouTuber-in-chief. And I think he did, like, 400 episodes or something like that of Nuclear Throne. Wow. That's all he played for, like, two years, from the very beginning, you know, until final release. I see. And well, it's definitely a good archive for for Blambe or for anyone actually to see how how the game changed over the early stages to what it is now, I guess. Yeah, and uh, well, actually, Blambe were doing their own streams. They had a a weekly update where they actually patched the game and updated the PC version. Yeah, and then they also streamed, uh, and they did streams about working on the game. I think that's a really good uh, example of a successful. Early access. I used to watch that. Yes, the, those streams are actually really helpful, especially because I'm trying to get into Game Maker and Vlambeer uses Game Maker for mm. for their games. 
I actually learned a couple of tricks from these things. And the pixel art they do, they just do it in real time as well. And it's just gorgeous to see. And very well, interactive think, too, so nice. No, but I think I think they really have handled the whole release thing because they were even really did it did it actually happen in the end? They said they were gonna charge more in final release or less, sorry, less in final release than in uh, uh early access. Sure. That was one of their things. Like they were gonna actually charge less to basically sort of gate the community so it was only really people who wanted to be there. Oh, okay. That's you know, an interesting way of doing it because obviously you've got Dirt Rally, which started off cheaper and then they bumped it up every time they updated it. It's now like a forty-five euro full release. Yeah, I've, seen, yeah. I've seen this a couple of times. There was another game that I, I don't remember off the top of my head what it was. They were making it more expensive every time. You know. Yeah. Um, oh, it was uh, what? What was the RTS thing? Uh, Boyd. Boyd. Yeah. Yeah, they basically started off super cheap at like three pounds or something like that, and then mm. made it more expensive with every update. Right. I remember that we played it. We probably we played the very first version, I reckon. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. yeah. But um, they, uh, what I think, what Vlambia were planning to do was bring the price down, only like three or four pounds. Uh, but when it was actually out. Nice. So it was sort of, mm. sort of trying to stop people accidentally buying the game or like. Oh, that's three quid. I'll buy it and then not contribute anything. So I think sure. it's really cool that like two years later or however long it's taken them, and they've got this sort of already rabid fan group that have been playing their game for a very long time. Mm-hmm. We're obviously going to do a lot of sort of word of mouth marketing and and this kind of thing. Plus, they've been super honest and fair and sort of really upfront about every single decision, as far as I've seen. Yeah, they are. They definitely have. You know. So that I mean that alone for me warrants the, the I think it's nine ninety nine on PS4 in England. Um oh in England okay. Yeah I don't know. Yeah it's probably probably like twelve to fifteen euros. Yeah. I think it's yeah. fifteen in in Spain at least. I can't I'm not one hundred percent sure of this. It may be a little less. But, but yeah, definitely not throw, more. I think I'll throw a bit of cash their way even if I don't actually get round to playing it because <laughs> another one you mentioned Rob I haven't played Hotline Miami two yet and I had it since day one. Mm. Not touched right. it, not even loaded it. <laughs> oh, man. Got it, got it in two versions. In fact, I've got it on PS, uh, PC, and PS4. I still have and to read the first one. <laughs> well, I, I I got to the last boss in the first one and gave up. I see. That frustrating. Uh, yep. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm in for a ride. And according to your game of the year review, Rob, uh, two is even harder. Yeah, it's it kind of assumes that you know what you're doing from the first one and then it just continues to ramp up the, the difficulty. Uh, and I, I, I like that. Yeah. I really like that. That's one of the reasons why why I rate it so highly. Yeah, but, but you uh, also I finished Bloodborne can... this year. I did, yes. Uh, <laughs> so you're all you're already, you know, proving your masochist credentials. <laughs> cool. Well I'm I'm glad we've got a, a group of uh Fans of Nuclear Throne. I'm looking forward to getting into it now. It's in uh, full release. Yes, I'm. I'm going to click the buy button later on today. I feel. <laughs> you know. Nice one. All right. Well, uh, what have you got for us, Tom? Well, I'm going to give you a little choice <laughs> because oh I'm fairly sure that you don't want to hear me talk about Fallout again, even though that is literally <laughs> all I've been playing. 
Hours and hours and hours of Fallout. I'm now level 41. Jeez. Okay. And you're playing on PS4, right? Yeah, because I my you know my PC would cry and poo itself. Sure. You have, you, and you haven't. I, I'm assuming you've run into a few funny business no pr- like things going on. No. Not really. No. Uh, my dog used to stand at a funny angle, but <laughs> I leave him safely at home now because he was using up all my stim packs. Um, I have been punched halfway across the map by a mole rat. <laughs> What? Right, that was right. the that was about the trippiest moment I've had. He bit me, and I just warped. <laughs> I warped straight across the city to the other side of the city that I was like on the outskirts of, and I was like, "Oh, that was interesting." The screen locked up for a couple of seconds, and then everything returned to normal. But I was just a long way away from where I was previously bitten. I think that all just adds to the charm. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I've been really, you know, I've been, you know. I know what Fallout games are like. I'm running five saves at all times, not <laughs> not counting auto save and quick save. Right. So I've got seven saves on the go at any one time because I know I know how it is. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've come across there's some silliness. Like mm. I had a floaty death claw yesterday. He was just sort of floating around doing his own thing. Uh, made me very made it very easy for me to snipe him though. You know, he was just floating about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's an absolutely fantastic game. I'm having a whale of a time with it. But uh, mm. I, I did discuss the other week with Hush. Yeah, quite no, well. that's fine. But it's good, it, you know, it's good to hear that you if you're having a good time with it. I've I've got it. Um, I've got it on PC, and I'm just waiting to get back to Madrid so I can I can start playing through it properly. Yeah, it's, it's really good. I mean, if you like Fallout, you're gonna love it, and it's a lot more stable in general than mm-hmm. New Vegas, for example. Well, okay. It's definitely not the kind of game that you will play for like two, three days and then be done with it. So, no. so yeah, <laughs> I understand actually, that you're still playing it. Well, I'm thinking. I know it's a bit of a you know Earl's going to slap me in the teeth for this, <laughs> but the final level-based trophy. Oh boy. Okay. Yeah. Is level fifty, and I'm level forty-one. So I'm thinking maybe after level forty-one, I might just go ahead and finish the story <laughs> and see what happens. And uh, then get slapped on level 50? Well, yeah, I don't know, because I think level 50 is going to be well enough to finish the story. But um, the thing is, you know, I could be here from the size of this game. I could be here for another couple of months. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is dense. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, the game I want to talk about today, uh, which is mm. Fallout, uh, which, honest, I've been playing something else. Honest, honest, I promise. Uh, <laughs> has Is Volume. By... Oh really? Yeah. Ah, I've actually been playing it for quite some time now. Okay, uh, but it's it's pretty big as well. There's like a hundred standard levels in this game. Obligatory question: Why volume instead of Metal Gear Solid? <laughs> because Metal Gear Solid sucks. No, but here's the question: I mean, what has volume that you're liking that Metal Gear Solid doesn't? Not uh... saying that. Not saying that it should have. Metal Gear Solid is something that you like. I just want to know the, like, the differences. Ah, no, okay. I see where you're coming from with the question. I, I misunderstood you at the beginning. I probably um, mis- misphrased myself, so... <laughs> no, 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 I, I do. No, I understand completely because you know of my irrational hatred towards stealth games in general. Exactly. And Even though I'm faithful playing Fallout podcast, as a stealth-based, uh, <laughs> stealth-based <laughs> character. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't... Yeah. 
You're fooling yourself. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm desperately trying to prove that I'm something, you know, different to what I actually am. But no, volume has uh, one great thing in in its favor as a stealth game. Okay. Quick levels. Quick levels. Oh, okay. Quick levels. Almost intuitive levels. Like if you can see, it's almost in some cases like you can see the path. All right. Sort of the game design is so nice that you can actually sort of go right that way, that way, that way, that way, that way, and then bam, you execute it. Sure. Well, it's like a puzzle game, right? It, it is it's more a stealth, like a stealth it's... puzzle game. Yeah, it's a stealth puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, so there is not actually like uh, more than one possible solution to the puzzle. It's just see how long you figure it out. Or you no, I'm sure. Out. I'm sure that there are because uh, the good thing is as well that at the end of each level, they it's it's all timed. And you can get on the leaderboard at the end of the level. All right. And I've been up there. I don't know if it's because there's not a lot of people playing or if I am actually pretty good at it. But I've been in sort of the top five on the first 50 or so levels. On your friends list? New worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, given that nobody else owns the game on my friends list, you can't. You're still, you're still fifth, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, or the AAA, that guy is really fast. <laughs> oh, yeah. But uh, no, I. Uh, it has that Hotline Miami, Super Meat Boy, quick restart. You screw up, you start again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Done. It's not, you know, you screw up like in Metal Gear Solid, you screw up and wave after wave of enemy come towards you until you either kill them all or restart the checkpoint. Okay. You know, it is just like, oops, and then... You restart, and even he he jokes, you know, like like you were saying in in King's Quest, the main character who is based sort of loosely on Robin Hood. He's called Loxley. Okay. And he's like some digital data thief. I think as the as the story's going, I'm kind of suspecting that he's not actually stealing anything, but he's he's sort of showing people how it would be done. Okay. In a virtual world, because he's going up against Gisborne Industries, which is some you know horrendous arms dealer that's sort of taken control of England after a war. So um, it is actually a modern day Robin Hood, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, it's a it's a modern day Robin Hood uh, based on sort of uh, YouTube phenomenons. You know, he's broadcasting to people ah. in a in a sort of futuristic Twitch, and his AI that he's sort of hacked is building these simulations for him. Interesting premise. I like yeah, it. Yeah, so so your enemies are AI simulations, and as it is an AI simulation, you literally hit restart, and boom, you're back in the, the beginning of the level, or the last checkpoint, however you prefer. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is sort of a timed feel to the levels, but like I say, the, I mean, it's it's Mike Bithell. We, we know from Thomas Was Alone that his level design is really sort of sharp. Yes. There's not a lot of wasted time or space in his games yeah there's no denying the talent of Pithel in this it's just yeah um, <laughs> yeah it's it's really nice you you sort of you know uh, you can hide in cupboards hide under the floor hide behind walls guards will forget you uh, if you can escape around a corner and out of their eye line they'll forget you quite quickly I mean of course you'll t- you'll take a time penalty hit if you end up having to hide Okay, so that that was my next question, actually. If you get spotted, it's not really game over, right? It's just like you have a chance to escape and re, re get, regain the upper hand, I guess. Yeah, quite, quite, a, quite a nice chance to escape as well, depending on the enemy type. 
there are some enemy, enemy types which are sort of very difficult to shake. Um, but your bog-standard foot soldier and that kind of thing, they will lose you if you literally duck behind a wall. Okay. And they will walk a certain certain amount of steps forward and then go, hmm, okay, he's gone. I'm curious about uh, what you mentioned before of the levels being actually quite small and fast. How is this escaping and hiding mechanic built in? I mean, it's clearly something that you obviously are not supposed to use in order to get like the maximum score or whatever you want to call it. But if the level is too small or very small, how do you deal with being spotted and hiding? Because again, if the levels are very small, which they are at the beginning, obviously they become more complex as you learn a lot of the mechanics. You get different gadgets to help you out as well. Um, it's a very quick... What, what I want to say is really that Even the hiding mechanisms are fast. Okay, I okay. So it's not like you so it's, a, it's a snappy. It's a snappy game, but it's still a stealth game. You still have to employ st stealth tactics. Yeah, but again, if you're going for the the best time, there are certain occasions where you can take advantage of the AI. Certain AI models are complete doofuses, as mm. designed, and you can literally, like, if you see the exit open because you've got to collect information or like little gems around the level before you can escape. If you see that exit open, you can literally just sprint. Okay, and even if you actually run in front of them, they won't chase you? Yeah, they will chase you, but if you can get to the exit before they can get to you... All right. Uh, you still win the level. Oh, okay. So a lot of the time is not being sort of ghosting the level, if you will. You can still take these risks. Uh, again, the hiding is quite quick, so you duck behind a wall... The AI, the AI will take like three or four steps and then forget you. Nice. So it could be a couple of second time penalties, but you're looking at sort of leaderboard times of being sort of maybe down to like 20 or 30 seconds in the early levels. Okay. So every second in that point counts. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I have been playing it quite strictly with myself that in order to feel that I've successfully completed the level, I have to have beaten the par time. Oh, you, you weirdo. Well, I guess maybe <laughs> I'm maybe I'm the weirdo. But we had like this came up when we were covering Oli Oli Two that you couldn't move on until you completed every. every level. Yeah, I remember that conversation. Yes, <laughs> I guess it's, it's 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 helping you so that you're even better prepared for the later levels. I guess it's just because I am I feel such under pressure to to see the game that I that I prefer to. Have a sloppy score, you know. It, yeah, or just, you know, not intending to to scrape through. But if I do happen to scrape through, I'll count myself lucky and and move on to the next challenge. But no, I mean, uh, again, this game off offers you something quite nice in that respect. That because it's quite forgiving. Mm -hmm. If I mean, if you, I mean, there's only been a couple of levels, really, that I can remember where I didn't make the the part time on the first one, and it's because I screwed up badly. Mm -hmm. and I, I, okay. I messed it up and I, it was a really horrible run so there is something quite satisfying in going back and doing it again and being like that's how you should have done it right yeah yeah you know? um, does it does it gate your progression by getting X number of part times or anything no, like that? No there's nothing like that it's literally you could just go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 all the way up to 100 sure. all you need to do is pass the level mm -hmm. you need to get to the exit sure So it is, I mean, this is the thing. I, I found uh, Thomas Was Alone was quite difficult in sections, uh, mainly because sort of gravity and these kind of puzzles, they, they were sort of messing with me a little bit. 
this is sure. this does seem to be a more forgiving game. Okay. Uh, you get uh, lots of different gadgets to help you. Did anybody play the marvelous mistake? No. No. Um, little Never tiny bit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wrote about it a while back, and it was. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's something a little similar to that. Okay. You know, it just has that Mike mm-hmm. Bithell twist. You know, the story's quite well written. Uh, voice acting's pretty good. They've got Andy Serkis in it. Ah. Mm-hmm. Oh, was, like, something. Some massive coup. Yeah. That reminds me. Something that I did not mention about King's Quest is that actually the uh, the old Graham is voiced by Christopher Lloyd. Really? All yeah, right, I'm really. playing it tonight then. <laughs> yeah, really, really. This is something that I forgot to mention, but yeah. But yeah, so Andy Serkis is in it. Uh, Jim Sterling makes an appearance. I know you enjoy him, Rob. Mm-hmm. In you know, in jazz punk and stuff like that, he he pops up as a, I think as a fellow YouTuber who th- thinks that Loxley is crap, like your typical YouTube style commentator. <laughs> he's in jazz punk. Yeah, man. Yeah, he doesn't know. He's the old. He's the guy at the resort. Oh. With the monocle. I did it. The old, the old top hat dude. Totally didn't know. Well, All right. You go. Now, now <laughs> yeah. you've got a reason to reboot Jazz Punk. And yeah, I definitely have to play through again, yeah. He's he's turning up in quite a bit. He was also in the Charnel House trilogy as well. Okay. Uh, that came out last year. This year? Was that this year? Oh, crap. Time is irrelevant. Yeah. Yes, it is at the moment. I, I literally, I, I did my sort of game of the year and then realized, no, these are just the ones I can remember. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure if it was this year, but I remember you writing about it, so it shouldn't yeah. be that old anyway. Tops last year. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, Volume is a really slick, smart, uh, forgiving game that's really good. Like, it's one of those games that I will put on two or three levels if I get home from work and I know that I don't have enough time to launch something else. Mm-hmm. And but I still want to get you know that 20 minutes play time in while I'm waiting for dinner to cook or something. It's a really nice game to just jump into because it doesn't really have the same stress levels as other games. Like, I'm also playing the Swindle. Oh, yeah. I I have to play that. It's really hard, man. It's so hard. Really, really hard. But, you know, so I can't relax with it in the same way that I can with with volume. Okay. Uh, Yeah, decent sort of orchestral choral score. Some pretty good voice acting. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a level editor. There is a level editor. So even if you finish the top 100 levels, the the actual story of the game, mm-hmm. um, you can make your own levels. And you can also, there are there's the community in general and also staff picks as well. Okay. So there is sort of a curated set. Bit of creation. Cool. Yeah. Um, and there's a rumor. I think he might have announced it but I'm not really so hot on the details that they're thinking about bringing it to VR as well. Volume or Swindle? Mm-hmm. No, yeah. volume. volume. It, it's not a rumor. It's confirmed. Yeah, yeah. I just I, yeah. I saw something on Twitter, but I wasn't really so, you know, boned up on the details. I didn't want to confirm. It's not, apparently, it's not exactly a volume. It's going to be like some sort of expansion of volume made for VR. Which could be pretty cool because it it's, works because it's got that. I mean, the the sort of art design, yeah, is a step up from Thomas was alone, shall we say? But it's it's sort of Sega Saturn polygon type things, you know. Everybody's made of triangles. Oh, all right. Yeah, we've we've gone from squares to triangles now. Well, you definitely made me curious to try it. I think I wanna I wanna pick it up sometime 
a long Christmas time or maybe a little bit later. I don't know. I still have um, plenty to play right now. It's enjoying a pretty deep discount on the PlayStation Store right now. Oh, really? Over Christmas, up until the end of the year, I believe, or at least until Christmas Day. Well, I think then it's a perfect time to get it. Mm. I do feel I do feel that it's a little bit sort of, or certainly from what I've seen, it's been like a little bit neglected. I haven't seen so many people like giving yeah. it the the. I mean, I know Thomas was alone was a long burn on that game. Mm-hmm. People were still discovering that game like three, four years after it was released. You know. Right. So so maybe cool. maybe volume will have the same thing, but I just feel it didn't have the sort of fanfare I expected. But maybe again, a little similar to Nuclear Throne, it was because uh, Mr. Bithel was very open with development. Yeah. So it feels like it's been in the public consciousness for a lot longer than the game's been out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, it's pretty cool. You should give it a look. Like if if what Rob says is true and it's actually discounted, then hell, I'd say pick it up straight away. I think yeah, I, might. I think I may. Yes, I like stealth cool. games. I like stealth games. I think there is no reason for me not to get it. So no, but it's yeah. With what stealth. you told, with what you told me, I think I'm more than convinced of picking up volume for sure. Right. Well, good. Oh, I think that's as clear for this week. I think so. Yes. I think so too. Yes. Oh, Unless boy. any of you wants to oh. add anything. Uh yeah, well go go to the website, read Rob's article. It's really good about his game of the year stuff. And look forward for the well, rest, yes. Yes, um we'll have we'll have daily uh articles posted uh through this week, oh, through God, to the end I'm of the week. Next. Uh you are next. Well, you'll already be out, so everyone will already know what uh what you like uh and Bob's will be coming up soon. Yep. Alrighty. It's and not then... going to be anywhere near your level of quality, but I will <laughs> definitely put up. For any for anybody that's listening to this and hasn't checked out Rob's article yet, the man has statistics. Leave that, leave that <laughs> last. Got... Yeah, leave Rob's yeah, for last. Actual statistics on how many games he's played this year. <laughs> and it is frightening. <laughs> but you know what? I think I'm going to keep these statistics next year myself. Because, yeah, uh, maybe not as accurate as Rob's, but... Definitely some of the statistics, at least how many games I play, how many games I complete, and how many games I buy. Not exact hours. I'm going to compile a game journal. That would be a neat idea. Dear Diary, today (laughs) I got fucked over for the 800th time on Dark Souls. (laughs) Dear Diary, today I played Fallout. (laughs) Dear Diary, (laughs) today I played Fallout. (laughs) Repeat for the next three months. Mark. Copy paste. Yeah, I finished Fallout. Don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, I think it's safe to call it night here, and yeah. I'm salivating like a mofo. What? Really hungry. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, he's just he's just got poor saliva control. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that while while we were podcasting here, Maggie and I were ordering Indian food, and I was <laughs> just looking at the pictures. <laughs> I am just so hungry right now. <laughs> well, I'm going to raise a toast to you, Bob, because I'm actually drinking a Cobra beer while we do this. So nice. You know, you know, we'll keep the Indian theme going on. Indeed. All right. Well, it looks like we're getting some uh, WhatsApp messages from the Rocket League group. So let's go check that out. Okay. All right. See you. All. You guys enjoy. Bye. Bye bye. Oh, yeah.
Ella. Yeah.